Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Sam Huber, who is from Pennsylvania. He is 31 years old and is a public speaker, a father, and a husband, and also lives on the autism spectrum. He really takes pride in being a peer mentor to other teens and adults on the spectrum and strongly encourages that everyone not look at autism as a disability, but to more think of it as a different language that we need to learn to um, communicate in their way of communicating versus trying to mold them into the neurotypical way of doing things. So it's a really great informational conversation that we have today about what it's like to live on the spectrum and what it's like to date, get in relationships, go to college, all of those things um, that I think we take for granted sometimes being in the neurotypical world that it just kind of comes easy sometimes to us. So um, please enjoy my conversation with Sam Huber. So on today's episode of the podcast, I have the opportunity to talk to Sam Huber. Um, we did a YouTube interview a week or so ago on his YouTube channel, and I was so excited to get to talk to him again um, on our podcast. So welcome, Sam, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Lori. It's good to be here. A absolutely. Um, there are so many things that we got didn't get a chance to cover on um our conversation on the YouTube channel, and it was kind of more geared towards me. So I want to get into uh, your life and <laughs> talk all about you um, in this episode on Living the Sky Life. So um, could you share a little bit about yourself, um, you know, current day, and then your, just your journey through autism? Uh, certainly. Uh, today I'm 31 years old. Uh, I live in uh, Pennsylvania with my wife, Gisette, and my son, Sky. Um, right now I'm, I have a YouTube channel, which is my name, Samuel Huber, um, and Instagram, Huber Family Adventures. And my mission is to create a positive place to talk about autism, especially autism as adults, uh, and just help change the world's perspective on what autism is and, and what autism is for the individuals who have it. That's definitely needed out there for sure. Um, you, I think you told me you were diagnosed at the age of 14, which is later than I usually hear. Most of us usually hear three, four years old, somewhere in there. Um, so were there signs for you and for your family that maybe, um, you know, with social um, traits or verbal um, delays or anything like that along the way? Um, well, the big thing I understand is like, I was like, I had, I was diagnosed with ADHD and nonverbal learning disability before I was diagnosed with autism. Okay. Um, this, this was back in the, you know, nineties when autism was like one in 200 or even 
much higher number than that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, there was like there was a delay in my speech where I for a long, long time couldn't speak about one to two syllable words. Like I couldn't say hospital or remember correctly, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I redid the first grade because I just uh, I couldn't you know I had a lot of trouble reading even the most basics of words, and I couldn't spell for 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 the life of me. I still can't. Uh, thank God for uh, <laughs> spell check. <laughs> thank God for spell check and 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 voice command on our phones. True. Um, what, do, so did something prompt um, your parents to uh, go and get a, an additional diagnosis or to have you evaluated for autism? Uh, well, my mom was never satisfied. Like, she, like she knew how smart I was, but my grades didn't reflect that. And she's mm -hmm. like, um, I wanted to get Sam the resources he needs. Like she's a therapist herself and she works with all people she's like you know i'm pretty sure he has it let's just make this official and uh at 14 she took me to a therapist and i got officially diagnosed and have you did did any of the diagnosis assist you in getting maybe some additional therapies or to help with your speech or your reading i mean you're you're very intelligent and you're very well spoken so were there with that diagnosis, uh, I know with us, we you know you usually get a lot more services when we're actually having the diagnosis of autism. Mm -hmm. um, so did that work out for you guys that way too? Um, well, I did go to schools that specialize in helping people. Back then, it was called learning differences or learning okay. disabled. Um, so and then I got the I got into smaller classrooms, but I never had like a one to one. I never had an IEP. Um, and, you know, I had a mother who was a therapist, so she did a lot of the things I would have gotten from other people herself uh, with me. And then I had, a, in terms of my language, my dad's a writer, so he like drilled it into me that like writing and reading are important. Like he wouldn't let me watch TV until I read X amount of pages in a book. And <laughs> you know, you know, both of them just pushed me to to you know develop myself in the way I talk and. Uh, socialize um, and they were always willing to I think the big thing was um, they pushed me out into the real world and let me learn from trial and error uh, there was you know there wasn't much of uh, you know let's plan everything out and then like 20 years down the road then you would start trying to act out everything you learned it was you know I did the typical teenagers teenager stuff I went out and got in a little trouble and but that's you know what you know and I rebelled a bit and <laughs> but they saw that as a chance to for me to grow and find my independence and that's why I think it you know, I see a lot of parents out there struggling with is allowing that child to have that independence and like how we do that like and my parents just did it the old-fashioned way let him go out and try mm -hmm. would that be you know I talk to a lot of parents again varying ages of children on the spectrum and that's it's not a debate really but that's I guess the two schools of thought is that you kind of you know take care of every need that they have and, and i'm guilty of that sometimes with my son you know just kind of doing things for him because i'm just so used to doing it and not really just letting him do it even if he is not really capable of doing much of the activity just letting him try and um mm -hmm. you know just pushing him to just take his socks off by himself and do just whatever however long it takes and then there are others mm -hmm. kind of like your parents who are like nope if it takes us 45 minutes for you to find something on a store shelf that you're looking for and i see it in within the first two seconds just let you take your time and, and find it 
Um, so have you had that discussion with your parents and thanks them, I guess, for pushing you? You probably didn't like it at the time, but it sounds like um, it was a good thing. Well, to, to be honest, like, you know, the, my parents, um, um, there were times where they were helicoptering and, mm -hmm. and, and there's, you know, it's still a process I'm going through with them, but like letting me have complete reins in my, my life because of all the bullying I went through and all the confusion I went through learning to socialize. Um, I have at times thanked them and other times, like, I think any young adult, you re realize what you want for yourself and you make that transition, at least I have, of making my own family and making my own rules because mm -hmm. uh, one of the big things in autism is we're taught a lot of the stereotypes of how people uh, interact with the world like all the social rules but the huge thing is that's just a template that's just the foundation of how you interact with people that when you go out in the real world as an adult on the spectrum or not you have to realize that no one follows these rules they're more like guidelines that mm -hmm. these rules change person to person based on their experiences and um, and my parents definitely had times where they, they want to, you know, ring me in and like, Sam, you can't do this. You can't do that. Um, like, the idea is too big. Um, but at the same time, like I have to, if I want it bad enough, I have to find my own path to get what I want, like making this YouTube channel, trying to write my own books and be such a voice. Uh, Cause I, I, I know in my heart, this is what I want to do. Um, and, and that's what I think for a lot of young adults on the spectrum, the struggle is that I really want this thing, but how do I attain it? Um, well, it's about finding the resources yourself because at 21, our resources end mm -hmm. for a lot of us, unless we're, we can't wipe our own butts. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's about finding that fire and that, that ability to compete with other adults uh, for that job, for that, to find that girl, find that boy that you want to, be with the rest of your life um, and and to have a meaningful life right i mean would you say exactly. there there's a difference between just getting you know a job and maybe your parents pushing you to just get employment somewhere but if you're not satisfied with what you're doing just like anybody else i would think that you would just feel unfulfilled and kind of miserable to go to that job every day if you were just you know putting a, a peg into a hole and you're like this is awful i don't want to do this Mm -hmm. um do you do you encourage parents to maybe if their kids are verbal um and they can communicate kind of what their likes are to kind of i don't know just travel that road with them and figure out what they're passionate about and then seek out if it's art maybe some art classes or a class or a you know an art center that maybe you could volunteer at or work for or things like that is is that what you would suggest or is that what your parents? Yeah, I, I, if I were if I were a parent of an adult, young adult, especially, I would push them to go for their passions. I wouldn't say no, like no, because you have autism. I would say like this is how hard it's going to be to be an artist, musician, or whatever you want to be. And all right, let's see what the steps it would take. And with this growing world, with you know how with all the virtual technology, there are businesses getting more and more online. That there are ways around the social struggles that a lot of us on the spectrum have that um i would say yeah put that dr drive into your, your child that it, it's on you you now because i'm gonna be dead long before you um, <laughs> so i'm not gonna be able to i'm not gonna be able to get you that job you're the one who has to get that job you're the one who has to go get that girlfriend or boyfriend um 
And I just, I think that's the huge thing missing with young adults on the spectrum is like, just because you have these differences doesn't actually exclude you. It, it makes you exceptional because you see the world the way no one else does. That's a gift that autism gives every individual who has it. Um, but we are moving this, this whole world forward for the past two centuries um, where people realize that Einstein, Tesla, John Lennon, Tim Burton, uh, Anthony Hawkins, um, I think uh, Temple Grand, like these amazing people on the spectrum and our young adults, our teenage children on the spectrum have those gifts too. Uh, you wouldn't say no to Einstein if you knew what he could do. You wouldn't say no to Tim Burton if you knew what he could do. So let's just, I would say, let's see what your child can actually do. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what? No, I just, I was agreeing with you. I think that's phenomenal. I don't think people realize how many uh, famous names that they know that are on the spectrum. Right. You know, Grandin is one that we all are familiar with, in, at least in this community. But, um, but yeah, there are so many others that, that we're not aware of and they've contributed so many amazing things to the world mm -hmm. in general. Um, did you, do you have siblings? Uh, I, have, I have a younger brother, Nick. Oh, okay. Is he on the spectrum or is he? No, he's neurotypical. And how, how, what is the age range between you two? Is there a big he, difference? He's four, he's four years younger. Oh, okay. Did you guys get along growing up? Um, no, we fought like any brothers would. Um, yeah. And I think the huge thing that I would tell parents and they should recognize is I got so much more extra attention because of my autism that uh -huh. because Nick, Nick was neurotypical, they're like, oh, he's fine. So when, she, when stuff would happen to Nick, like they were like, he'll figure it out where they would like drop everything and help Sam. And, and Nick would witness that again and again. So he's became a very introverted person um so like to parents that are listening here like make sure you pay attention to your neurotypical children just because they are neurotypical doesn't mean they don't have their own shit mm -hmm. pardon my language um, no that's yeah and that's and that's how you prevent like your neurotypical children to re stop resenting your autistic uh children because like why do they get all the attention mm -hmm. um and and then that that's i know it's really hard because like we do need that extra oomph but I would say to parents, like, get that neurotypical child involved in your autistic child's life, but also make that time, as we talked about in your interview, um, make that time for your, your neurotypical children because they have value too. And um, and now, now as adults, me and Nick get along much better because we have music and sports to talk about, and mm -hmm. we see each other as equals as adults because we ha have our own lives. He just got engaged. Who's a longtime girlfriend? I'm happy for him, and he's, um, you know, shining out his support for me having my own voice in the autism community. That's awesome. I bet he's an awesome uncle too, Sky too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's st he's still nervous around him because he, unlike me, he has not really been around children that much because I was an educator for eight years, so he's still uh, testing the wire, still trying to build that bond with Sky, um, but. Um, he definitely uh, loves being around him. So let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned, um, you know, meeting boyfriends and girlfriends um, while you're on, you know, when you're on the spectrum. What was that process like um, of dating or, um, you know, meeting your wife? I assume she's neurotypical. 
Is your yeah, wife? Yeah. Wife's neurotypical. What was that whole process like? Because that's the one thing that I mean, parents, we we don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not on the spectrum, so I I don't know what the challenges are to having a conversation that might be a little bit different. Um, I've had guests on before that are spouses. One's on the spectrum, one is not, and they give each of their perspectives on being married. Um, and just the way the conversation flows go with someone on the spectrum versus a neurotypical person. Um, so what what is that like? And can you provide some advice to people who have older children that might start dating? Um, I think the biggest thing is make their, your autism your pickup line, like that we are incredibly <laughs> honest, um, that the fact that we pay attention to details that um, are great problem solvers, um, like look to your strengths um, and make put that on your dating profiles um, or if they're a teenager like like share common interests and the other big thing is teach your autistic children how to dive deep um, like I'll tell you a quick story when I started dating my wife I was head over heels puppy love in love with her but then one day she turned to me he's like Sam how can you love me if you don't really know me you don't know what makes my mind tick uh, meaning like uh, what you never asked me how I grew up and why these things are important to me. What do I value? I'm like, I, I, I love you. I know you. And she's like, no, you don't. And it blew my mind. That I never had asked her uh, deep, uh, profound questions you get when you meet that special somebody. Um, and I started diving deep and really had to know like her psyche. And I think that's the huge, one of the huge things missing in how we teach teenagers on the spectrum, how to interact and how to date is how to dive deep and be vulnerable, uh, the brain down their walls and communicate. Um, and then me and my wife moved so quickly because I, my wife could never just go, you should just know Sam. She had to tell me exactly what uh, what she wanted and I would you know try to match that. Because uh -huh. um, I, I could spend all day guessing what she wanted, but I would never get there because my brain doesn't work that way. And I had to advocate and I think that's a, and I think that's the heart of dating, apart from trial and error, um, is self-advocating. This is what I need in order to uh, show you that I care, that I love, and this is what I need to re feel like I'm loved and cared for uh, by that special someone. Um, and also know that like, like things go beyond physical appearance and and sex. Um, that a lot of young people on the spectrum are very visual boys and girls um you know the stereotype with boys is that we're all about the physical appearance but um i've met a lot of young women on the spectrum who are also like i want you know i want the brad pitt or uh, the guy <laughs> plays Thor, and, they, and they can't get past them and i try to teach them about like but don't you want someone that actually loves you but i'm like he's so good looking um and i think that's the other huge thing is to teach us how to dive deep to go beyond those initial conversations like what your favorite sports team or music is great and all but like that's just like to open the door mm -hmm. to push the door completely wide open in order to actually fall in love with somebody and actually have a meaningful relationship and that is what i think is the hugest thing missing from teaching teenagers and young adults on the spectrum is how to push the door all the way open not just stick your foot in the door right so it's hard to get beyond surface conversations. I mean, I, I know there's neurotypical people out there that have the same problem. They don't, they either talk all about themselves or they, you know, don't really, you know, dive very deep into a relationship with someone. Um, you know, I think you made a good point too when you said, you know, that your wife mentioned, like you haven't asked me any questions about me. I think it's also important uh, that you 
explain to your your um, spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend how you need to communicate as well and how you process information and things about you. They maybe are going to be nervous to proactively ask you questions about autism. So like you said, I think if you set the stage early on that you're okay to talk about it and that you need to tell them, this is how I process them. I'm not trying to be mean when I'm blunt or I say things exactly when they pop into my mind. That's just, I just, I don't understand, you know, the way society dances around topics. I just tell you what I think. Would that be mm -hmm. fair? I think it would be fair, but also I think for neurotypical people, dating zone spectrum is also, um, we also are also, we have complex thoughts that don't come out the right way. Like uh, my wife will be like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I don't know. Let me take time to process a huge thing that I would advise people on spectrum is if you're about to blurt something out, follow it by, I'm, I'm just trying to process things that I process by talking out loud. It's not what actually I mean or want to say. Um, and, and that's the hugest thing. And another, there's a book out there, get its title, but it's like the five love languages. Uh -huh. um, I think it would be great for neurotypical or autistic people to read, like learn how you receive and express love um, and, and look for someone who, who matches that is a great way. Like you don't have to be with the first person that um, is kind to you. Like kindness doesn't mean that you guys are a good match. Like you have to have <laughs> common goals, similar interests. A lot of young people in the spectrum get caught, oh, he was so nice. And they get stuck on that person for like five years after the breakup. Like <laughs> and that's the only relationship they had because that person was kind. Um, I think that's a thing that we need to understand that relationships are so complicated that even when you meet the right person, it's a lot of work. Yeah. But you are gonna, nothing's going to be perfect like in the movies where, you know, you've, you have those lovey-dovey scenes and then you have a slight misunderstanding and then an hour and a half later, everything's wrapped up no it a relationship takes time to build um and i think a lot of people on, on the spectrum don't understand that that it's not this hollywood ending right away it's a lifetime of building with another individual and then you bring a uh, child into it too so um you guys have beautiful sky he is so cute how old is sky uh he is uh two almost three he'll be three in july and how, what level did that change your marriage? Cause that adds a whole nother <laughs> version of chaos uh, and, you know, misunderstandings, I'm sure. So um, how is it being a parent? Um, it's a, it was, it's been a very interesting story for these past almost three years. Like from the time Scott was born, like I showed up to the hospital, I did all the research, was ready to be like super dad, but the nurse turned to me and said, I'm just so proud of you for showing up. I'm like, <laughs> he said you don't have to do anything else i'm like but the book says and she's like and just just having that actually all the dad has to do is show up like i was like devastated that men have been reduced to all you have to do is show up why the woman does everything i'm like um that's bullshit um <laughs> like, i actually and that's when i started realize he helped my son realized that a lot of the male stereotypes are complete bullshit um that there are men out there that let me have emotions and want to express that in a healthy way towards their children. Um, right. And I, it, it helped me to realize that, you know, I'm a nurturer that, you know, because I'm an educator and I know a lot about uh, how you get children, you know, working with children. Um, I, I, I want to be the involved parent that when I, when me and my wife go out like, Oh, or my wife goes out um, by herself. 
uh, and they're like, like to her, like, oh, who's babysitting? Um, child? <laughs> I like, hate that. My husband. Um, <laughs> no, he's his child. He he is watching my child. He's taking care of our child. Right. Um, and and it kind of shocked me because I up to that point had lived a lot of my life on these stereotypes that a man is defined by the job he has, how much money he makes, how much muscle he has, <laughs> and, and it's all. Bull, you know, bullshit because every man is different um, and every family's needs are different. And I learned to step up in my own unique way. Um, and the fact that he, I look to, towards his happiness as, as that, that's my sister. If my son's happy, I'm succeeding as a father. Yeah. Um, that I relish at the idea of waking up at 2.30 in the morning when he has a nightmare and holding him and um, being able to bond with him because I learned that my love language is acts of service. Okay. Um, which it means that I do things for the people I love to show that I yep. care because I can't get my words out correctly all the time. Uh, like I don't always get the tone I want. Like when I tell my wife she's pretty, I can I can sound a monotone. She's like, "There's no feeling in your voice. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell if you're you're you actually mean that I you think I'm pretty or you're just saying that." Uh, but I'm like, so I, what I try to do is like doing chores and. Uh, taking care of my my son and you know through acts um, and I think that's what a lot of young parents autistic or not need to find is like finding a role and it doesn't have to be these stereotypes because not, the stereotypes don't work for everybody absolutely have you noticed um the development with sky is as everything quote unquote on track um with his development uh well he was born premature so um there was a bit where we were uncertain and he had head surgery um to correct the two parts of his bone his bones didn't fuse right in his skull oh. so we had to go through the whole experience with that um but he is right on track um developmentally he's walking talking and doing everything he should at his age oh that's good mm -hmm. and and it, yeah and it's just been a pleasure raising my uh, you know him so far yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of years to go, so it, yeah. <laughs> it gets fun and challenging both at the same time, but it's such a great experience, you know, to be able mm -hmm. to to share that. Um, so I, I want to switch gears a little bit about um, and get into a little bit more about your YouTube channel and um, just kind of what prompted you to start that and your public speaking and all of the things that you're doing to advocate for adults on the spectrum, which is, again, so needed. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast is just to try to start the conversation or extend the conversation about kids that age out of services because, like you said, there is just not much out there. Um, the, the reason I started this channel is because um, I was tired of listening to the experts who think they know how we think and talk. And in a general sense, they're right, but like there's no, at least when I started public speaking, I had no idea that there was any other. Uh, self-advocates out there through my journey last two years I've discovered there's way more of us out there but I wanted to create something positive because I'm so tired of hearing about the struggle of being autistic I'm like let's talk about what's and that's why I started this YouTube channel was let's talk about what's good about being autistic um, and let's, let's let's work together to find our strengths and how to bring that into the world rather than trying us trying to fit into the world let's try to get the world to fit into in, fit in with us and create that space for us to grow and thrive in this world that we don't have to be these uh, 25, 30 year olds still sitting in our parents' basement, never been employed, never had a girlfriend or boyfriend. Like 
there are we can there are ways to get our lives on track that the other big part is like i want to help young people on the spectrum recognize that you're young you know you don't have to have it all figured out and when i went to college um i soon realized that no one neurotypical or not um had their life figured out or who they were and once i'm like i could relate to that i don't know who i am yet and I think that, and we talked about it in our interview, like recognize your humanity, not your autism, mm -hmm. um, that you are human, that you are going to make mistakes. But the big thing is your choice to either turn a negative into a positive and learn from them and choose to live your life, making choices out of love for yourself, love for your family, love for your partner and your children. Or you can be afraid and keep making the same mistakes over and over and not get anywhere. Um, and I w want to start this conversation of, that people are too afraid to have. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about getting jobs. Let's talk about losing jobs and how we react to positive and negative situations. Let's, you know, the more we're afraid to talk about these topics with our autistic children, the more stunted they will be. And the thing I want parents to recognize is it may take us a little longer to get there, to get that first job, to get that first adult relationship, but let us get there in our own time. There's no, there's no timer in life. There may be timer in the timers in our classrooms and getting tests done, but in life, there really aren't any timers. And we, you have to just look, stop treating us like we're we're broken, but treat us like we're human beings. I love that. And, and I, to, I mean, and we got to treat ourselves like human beings. It couldn't come from anyone better than than you and someone who lives it, it every day. It's it's hard from a parent's perspective. Um, you know, I can only say that it's really hard for me to really know what it is that my Skylar, um, you know, needs and wants and um, desires and what frustrates him and all of those things. So we're guessing a lot of times. Um, and even if your children are verbal, they still maybe can't express exactly what they're feeling or thinking. They're they're trying. Um, so that's good advice. For, for me to just continue to treat him as normal. I, I mean, I do, but I think I get, give a crutch to him a little bit um, and just try to live our lives and have him mesh into it instead of us kind of rewriting everything the way it's supposed to be centered around him and you know changing everything to accommodate him. I, I don't want him to be have a crutch for the rest of his life. Right. And I think I no way parents can look at it as don't look at it as a disability. Look at it as like your child speaking a different language, as we talked about in our interview. That um, the big thing here is that autistic people do actually have their own language. That we often talk more with our hands than our our lips, uh, whether it be through a device or we're often very expressive through our hands, uh, positive or negative. For example, as we talked about, the higher our hands go in our body, the more anxious we are or the more happy we are. And if you really watch our hands, like it, it, tell, it can tell you a whole story of what we're feeling and thinking. Um, and and in sign language, for example, like there are different dialects um, depending on where you go. And in, in different forms of autism, there are different different uh, dialects in the way we move our hands. And for parents, just start really watching your children. Stop trying to get them to communicate the way you do. Watch how they communicate. Because they're learning it from somewhere where it's with inside themselves or by being around their peers. They are learning to communicate in a very unique way. And I think that's a great way to learn to accept your child. Because if your child spoke Spanish and you spoke English, you would learn Spanish, wouldn't you? Yep. If you, had, if you adopted a child from like uh, Mexico or Spain or something, you would 
work hard to learn their language or um, help help that child translate their what they are trying to say into English. Mm -hmm. um, there needs to be that understanding between the two languages, and that's what I think parents need to do too: is learn their child's language instead of always forcing them to speak English. You've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> you know, I never thought about it from that perspective, but you know, I I agree with you 100%. I think that's that's huge. Again, trying to, you know, we're always trying to force them to be quote unquote normal and live in our normal everyday world and talk like us and move around like us, socialize like us and it's just it's just different. It's just a different different way of living. It's a different language like you said. So I love that. That's amazing. Thank you for saying that and bringing that to our attention. Um, I, uh, I guess I also we had talked about before that you um, you have clients. You had mentioned uh, during our interview on YouTube that uh, you had clients. What is it that you you do? Do you work with people on the spectrum, like in a therapy setting or a um, counseling well, session? The past, the past I've been like a peer mentor. Okay. Um, but with a young child at home and wanting to be an involved father, um, I kind of stepped back from that. That's why I'm trying to use YouTube more to like get my message across and do these interviews. Um, and really what I'm doing now is just trying to tell my story. I'm about to start a new uh, episode, a uh, new show on, on my YouTube channel uh, called Adulting on the Spectrum. We're going to take uh, people through my experience as an adult and give them like life hacks um, through being an adult. Like, for example, in college, one of the huge things we struggle with is the social scene. It's not the academics. Like, school, getting those good grades, like, we have enough accommodations there, but the social scene is um, really hard for us. Um, my first two years in college, I just sat in the autism club and we just watched Disney movies for two years. And I, but I'm like, I, I watched Animal House. Like, I want to experience that college. I want to have the normal college. That's what I thought normal college was. Um, but I wasn't comfortable with, like, drinking alcohol in front of other people. Um, so I came up with this trick where I just gathered five or six beer cans and empty beer cans. And, like, I drank this many, and it did nothing to me. Um, and it allowed me to engage with my peers with, like, uh, who were more comfortable with that and allowed me to feel like I was a part of it. And I'm going to talk about things, little things like that. Like there are ways to help yourself be more comfortable to the college scene. Um, and that, and I want to talk about these adult things that are really hard for parents to talk about because, you know, they want their children to be safe. I get that. And I'm not encouraging underage drinking. But I'm saying we can fake underage drinking so they can have that. <laughs> moment of uh, feeling cool and a part of the group and that's really what young adults want to be they want to be accepted by their peers and there are little tips like that that um i think can go a long way just to get the ball rolling and then i'm going to yeah. work my way through getting my first real job and then getting my first real late relationships and all i went on so many first dates that went horribly um before i met my wife because i was always trying to be like james bond or some <laughs> After, you know, and then I, it struck me when I was dating my wife in the beginning. It's not what James Bond is saying. It's his confidence that makes ladies go, ooh la la. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what it gets the girls, is the guys, is the confidence. It's not what he's saying. And I would be focusing on trying to sit, you know, repeat his pickup lines. And when I realized I had none of the confidence behind, behind those words. I had none of that swagger. And I had to learn to find my own swagger 
and confidence in shining my own light to to get the girl in the end. Um, and that that's exactly what I, I did by the time my wife. I'm like, I'm gonna be exactly who I am if she likes me, she likes me, if she doesn't, she doesn't, and she liked me. And if she doesn't like me, she's not the one. Yep. Um, and, that, I, I... and that's, that's the truth of folks. Uh, rejection is hard, um, but we're autistic or not, you're gonna be rejected by an employer you're gonna be injected by a boy a girl whoever you're into whatever you identify as um but that's life and like the fact that you had the opportunity to be rejected is beautiful and it's only because you're taking part you're taking that chance it's better than just sitting in your base your basement and never taking that chance because you'll you'll always wonder you'll, what if and um you have to grab life by the horns at some point why not now for sure i would wager that most people would prefer to date someone who's real and not um you know trying to reenact any kind of a character or to be something that they're not so uh, you know that's good advice to just be yourself you know mm -hmm. maybe with a little bit of edge in the beginning but uh um you know mm -hmm. i think that that youtube channel would be super helpful also for topics like you know getting your driver's license and even applying to college and figuring all that stuff out um mm -hmm. you know dating obviously we've talked about that and even getting through, you know, high school, I'm sure like you'd mentioned that there's bullying still, which is awful. And, um, you know, just some of the peer pressures and the social challenges of, of getting through the teen years and then into college. Yeah. So I, I think that's a phenomenal idea um, for you to, to start that. It would help a lot of people yeah. who can talk to and relate to someone that knows what they're going through instead of just says you know i understand because i don't understand it would be terrible coming from someone like me because I, I have no idea what life is like for people on the spectrum you know mm -hmm. all i see is the outside parenting side of it i i don't live it personally yeah. so and that's I why i want to start this channel so not only for people on special but people off the spectrum can come to my channel and be like mm -hmm. well, why do you guys stand why do you do that like and like those aren't bad questions to ask don't be afraid to ask that like it's like you wouldn't ask your like African-American friend or your Chinese friend, like you would ask them questions like, why do you got, you would ask them questions about their culture, ask questions about our culture, the mm -hmm. autistic culture. Because that's how you're going to get to know your children is ask about the autistic culture or ask about the bipolar culture, schizophrenic culture. Like it's, a, it's a, like what I have to call a neuro culture or neuro, a neuro language. Like, like I said earlier, just build on that. Like actually get to know who your child is in that way well i i am just in awe of you and i think that everything that you're doing is like i've said before so needed and so appreciated i'm sure by parents and siblings and those living on the autism spectrum because we just need more more visibility more voices um and just more openness with the conversation like this so um thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast for having your youtube channel and being so public with all of these things that i don't think people were talking about before and making it okay to have the conversation it's my pleasure uh, pleasure and thank you for having me so much and guys come check out my youtube channel i'm going to be just as honest with with laurie as i'm going to be honest on my channel about all these adult topics because we have to have this conversation these conversations at some point yep absolutely and i will link your all of your um 
Instagram, your YouTube channel, your Facebook, whatever it is that um, you want me to link, I will link all of those things so people can um, reach out to you personally and, and learn from you and watch your YouTube shows. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so all much, right. Sam. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.